Hello, everybody. It is Tuesday, September 14th, 5.51 Pacific Standard Time, 8.51 Eastern Standard Time. I am joined. I'm in San Diego, per usual. Pat is in Charlotte, and we are joined by Mr. Podcast and new Sons of Saturday national podcast host, Mike McDaniel. Mike, how are you doing? Congratulations on the new launch. What's up, boys? Thank you. Thank you. This is actually, I, I don't know why you're congratulating me. This is all of your doing. You know, this is, uh, well, there was, I could not be doing this without you, Billy. The answer, the answer was very obvious, uh, in terms of somebody who you are essentially the Mike Miller of 2013, you are in the gym, taking the shots all day long. I, I mean, how many, uh, let me ask you right now, how many podcasts have you recorded this week? It's Tuesday. Um, let me one, this is my, uh, this is my fourth since Sunday. His fourth podcast since Sunday. So, Mike, we're excited to have you to break down uh, this West Virginia game. Per usual, the Sons of Saturday are brought to you by our friends at Main Street Pharmacy. Main Street Pharmacy is not just a pharmacy. It's an entire community. They love you. They look out for you. They have everything that you need. Typically, I'm attacking you know, some frat guys and their uh, hygiene or their decision-making. We're not going to do that today. In college, if you wake up, you're a little banged up. Maybe you had a little bit too much to drink the night before. You need to head on over. Jeremy, I did check this out, has all sorts of flavors of Pedialyte. So just stroll on in there, grab you some Pedialyte. You'll be refreshed and ready to go again the next day. So Main Street Pharmacy right on Main Street in Blacksburg, Virginia, Tell them the Sons of Saturday sent you. Check out our pins, check out our stickers, check out our flags, check out our t-shirts. And he has Mrs. Pac-Man, so you can play Mrs. Pac-Man as well. Uh, It's time for Hokey Haikus. Pat, we have plenty of Hokey Haikus. You put out a tweet um, immediately and and got a bunch of responses. So let's read uh, read some poems. All right, guys. Thank you for the submissions. Got a (coughs) Excuse me. Couldn't read all of them. Got a handful here. Um, But really appreciate the participation. First one comes from Chris... Regard, one of the biggest West Virginia dislikers on the face of the earth. West Virginia stinks. I can smell their breath from here. Donate toothbrushes. Solid, wow. IQ, Chris. Uh, Grady hey, we're Baker. Just gonna, we're just going to come out swinging right off the top. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could have done a, a John Cran Chesapeake Center for Complete Dentistry ad right there. We could. Uh, maybe Slide that right in. Might need to grab some of his business cards this weekend in Morgantown and just pass them around um, Milan Pusker Stadium. Grady Baker came in hot with a haiku. Actually texted me this right when I put out the tweet asking for haikus. He knew. He says, this is a reaction to my rant last week. Blanco, no bueno. Stand up and yell, no cussing. Don't be out to lunch. (laughs) Very nice, Grady B. Travis Dye, the governor hurt. Tears of Hokies flow for him. Get well soon, Jimmy. Thank you, Travis. Gobble shots tailgate. This one comes from Hunter Atherton. Win for governor. Keep the black diamond at home. Hokies, stick it in. And then we will finish up here with Joe Rogers. We, we, we started out swinging. We're finishing uh, swinging a little bit too. Bring your batteries. The couches are all in flames. Now go win this game. I little kind of, put, kind of a rhyme. Kind of a rhyme. We encourage that. Yeah. I think uh, I, I love the participation. 
five haikus, a lot of haikus. Maybe we need to make the uh, make the colander a little bit skinnier. So we're going to make it a little bit harder. We're going to need you guys to the best haikus to be displayed. We've been doing a good job. You guys have been writing in, uh, but it might be get, get a little harder to get you uh, get you some airtime. Um, <laughs> however, we're going to kick off the show with obviously the biggest news out of uh, Virginia Tech. Unfortunately, James Mitchell, uh, it was announced that he is out for the rest of the season due to a knee injury that was sustained on Saturday versus Middle Tennessee. Fun fact, uh, the knee injury that he sustained was from the same player who injured Braxton Burmeister. Um, A lot of people are saying that it's the referee's fault because he wasn't kicked out of the game. I'm never going to ever in my life uh, complain for a non-targeting call because targeting is one of my least favorite things in the universe. It is ruining football. It ruined the NC State Ole Miss game, the Louisville Ole Miss game. Um, so it was unfortunate. You hate to see it, but I'm not going to blame the lack of a targeting call. Transitive uh, property, Bill. It's the ref's fault. It, yes, we can. We can. I assume we can blame uh, referees. Yes, but. Uh, Mike, we're going to start with you because you wrote a phenom- phenomenal article on this. Where does Virginia Tech go from here without James Mitchell? Biggest concern for me. Now, this is, I mean, James Mitchell is one of the best players on the team, right? So you'd rather have him than not. So let me let me start with that. Purely on the basis of how Brad Cornelson utilizes the tight ends. The bigger deal for me here is that James Mitchell now is not going to be able to draw the attention of opposing defenders, right? Sometimes he's man up. A lot of times he's man with somebody over the top, right? So he attracts multiple defenders because he's a matchup nightmare, right? So not having that on the field is something that Virginia Tech is going to have to adjust to in the passing game, right? And you look at James Mitchell's stats purely from a receptions per game standpoint, touchdown catches. If, if you just look at his stats on paper, there's nothing that you look at and say, you know what, like James Mitchell is just like this unbelievable, irreplaceable, you know, tight end receiver hybrid. I, I mean, you look at that on paper and you say, you know what, that's, you know, tech can replace that. But you got to consider the fact that, you know, he draws attention away from, other members of the receiving core, Raheem Blackshear out of the backfield. Um, you know, it's it's one less set of eyes on Burmeister, right, in, in the RPO game. So from that standpoint, it's a pretty significant loss. And where I think it's actually even a bigger loss is in the running game. When you consider the right side of the offensive line coming into the year, and the right side of the offensive line, I think, is held up okay, right? It's been a, a little bit of good, a little bit of bad through two games. But James Mitchell being out there at tight end has really helped things from a blocking standpoint in the running game, especially when you have an offensive line on the right side that's still trying to find their footing. So taking away one of the team's best blockers is also a net negative for Virginia Tech. So I think you know the loss in the passing game is less about how many catches James Mitchell has and, and more about the attention that he draws. And then I think the the bigger loss for Virginia Tech is his impact on the running game because he is one of the offense's best blockers. So, you know, Tech's going to have to find a way with Drake DeUlis and Nick Gallo to to find a way to replace that production both in in the running and passing game. But it's definitely a big loss. 
It's funny that you uh, that that it's worked out this way, where Drake Deulis was a player who was considering entering the transfer portal. He's been familiar with this position for so long, um, and for a team that has a lot of depth concerns at certain positions, um, this is one of the positions where we at least have some guys that can step in and know where to line up. Um, we talked about it before we pressed record. In 22 games for James Mitchell's career, he has 12 touchdowns and 52 receptions. Um, I believe you said that accounted for roughly 10% of the offense for Virginia Tech. Um, so, yeah, first and foremost, it's heartbreaking um, because a guy like James Mitchell comes back to improve his draft stock. Um, and gets injured in a situation like that. Um, you absolutely hate to see that. And I agree with you. I think I think the biggest the biggest concern here for me is I don't think this changes our ability to go out and compete for a coastal championship. I don't think it changes our ability to go out and beat West Virginia. I think where it really affects you is that running game, one. And two, when you play a team like Notre Dame or you play a team like Clemson where – you're going to be out talented at most of the positions. He's that one mismatched guy that you're going to be able to kind of rely on. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a tremendous to take words out of coach Fuentes mouth. It's going to be a tremendous challenge. Um, but I think this is one of the positions where we're able to, uh, to patch something together. Um, and it's going to be the Drake to Ulyss and uh, Nick Gallo show. Yeah. This, this loss of James Mitchell, where it really affects you in the passing game is against teams that are elite on the defensive side of the football, right? Where we're talking like a Clemson, right? You go to an ACC championship game, you play a Clemson, you don't have James Mitchell. That's when it really shows up in the passing game. Right. And then I look at Virginia tech schedule, even against a team like Pittsburgh and, and Pittsburgh didn't look great against Tennessee defensively last weekend, but they have a very talented group of defensive backs like a game against Pittsburgh here coming up in about a month or so, that could be more of a challenge for Virginia Tech going up against a secondary like that, going up against a Notre Dame secondary that, again, hasn't been great this year so far, but has a lot of talent. That's where having a guy out there and James Mitchell really makes a difference in the passing game, being able to be like, okay, look, we don't have a lot of areas where we can exploit this opposing defense, but James Mitchell is the one guy you can kind of stick out there, and no matter who you're playing, he's a matchup nightmare. Sending... Thoughts and concerns for our guy, James. Get well soon. Um, we're wishing you the best. But jumping into this West Virginia game, Pat Finn, he's got some hokery history for us. Get us ready for a matchup with the Mountaineers. Pat, hit us with it. All right. Thank you, Bill. So we're going to talk about the rivalry of the Black Diamond Trophy here between Tech and West Virginia. The first ever meeting between the two foes was in 1912. Uh, West Virginia leads the all-time series, 28 wins, 23 losses, and one tie um, from the West Virginia side. So Tech is actually on the uh, the losing side of that, but has won the last three meetings, um, them being the 2004 contest in Lane, the 2005 contest in Morgantown, and then the 2017 neutral site meeting uh, in the D.C. area at FedEx Field. Virginia Tech is 9-18 all-time in Morgantown. The teams met every single year from 1973 to 2005. Part of that was in the Big East Conference from 91 to 2003, and the winner has received the Black Diamond Trophy uh, every year since 1997. The trophy is a symbol of the Appalachian region's rich coal heritage. Fun fact about West Virginia, Bobby Bowden, the late Bobby Bowden, um, was the head coach at West Virginia from 1970 
1975 before finishing his career out at Florida State. Now, uh, I mentioned Tech has won the last three meetings. We've also won six of the last nine meetings. Uh, so we'll talk about some of those games, some of the more recent games. Or I guess you could say recent, even though they're you know, 15, 16 years ago. Uh, but they are the last meetings that we've had uh, with West Virginia. Tech beat West Virginia 31 to 24 in 2017. We remember Josh Jackson had a standout game in his first start as a Hokie uh, rocking the all, all maroon. We beat Will Greer and his talented running backs and wide receivers uh, at FedEx Field. The last Virginia Tech loss in Morgantown came in 2003. Uh, if you remember, go back way back in 2003, this game was played on a Wednesday night, which was quite unique for the big east what? um you know, yeah wednesday night football this wasn't even a classic thursday night you know big east or hcc game in the mid 2000s this game was played on a wednesday uh tech went into morgantown you know six and oh ranked number three in the country and got beat out of the building we lost 28 to 7 to the mountaineers who were two and four uh, at the time and i remember that next day at school being a very rough day um Really just not. in New Jersey, people are giving you crap in, in northern New Jersey about the Virginia Tech West Virginia game. Dude, of course, you know, you got sports. Your friends are sports fans. They watch their dad. Let them stay up and watch, you know, a big time Big East contest. Yeah. they uh, Plus, you know, those, all those guys love Rutgers. Listen, man. Yeah, this was this was, you know, right before the Rutgers, Louisville, South Florida, West Virginia, just dominating the Big mm-hmm. East. And this mm-hmm. is when Tech, you know. Tech, Boston College, West Virginia, and Miami were dominating the Big East. Um, so right before we passed the torch over when we left the conference in 04. Um, but keep going back, 2000, Andre Davis in Lane Stadium scores three third-quarter touchdowns in a span of six minutes to lead Tech to a 48-20 to victory in Blacksburg. He scored on a reverse, he scored on a reception, and he scored on a punt return all in six minutes friend of the podcast, Andre Davis, uh, Virginia Tech wide receiver legend. And then back to 99. We'll finish it up here. Michael Vick leads a comeback drive highlighted by a 26-yard scramble out of bounds that sets up a 44-yard Shane Graham field goal that keeps Virginia Tech's national title hopes alive and uh, ended up moving us into the number two ranking in the subsequent uh, AP poll. Now, West Virginia is the 15th all-time winning as program. They have 15 conference championships, 109 All-Americans, 195 draft picks, and they have been to 38 bowl games. Now, to the young people, you know, current students, maybe you recently graduated, this might not be a rivalry or something that, you know, you think it's worth getting up for, but I encourage you to do some research on the rivalry, go on a YouTube, go on to OxVT's Twitter page and watch some of the highlights this is a rival that a large percentage of Hokie fans really get up for. And honestly, quite free, quite frankly, a lot of Hokie fans hate West Virginia more than UVA or more than Carolina, more than Miami. Um, so Woo. well done, Pat. That's a lot of history. <laughs> a lot of history. There is a lot of history. Several chapters of this rivalry between the Hokes and the Mounties, the ears, the nears, whatever you want to call them. Um, Davy Crockett you know, shooting the musket, fun, fun culture up there in Morgantown. So we're going to set the table before we get into the game breakdown. It is week three. The Hokies are two and oh, we're kicking off against the one and one Mountaineers this Saturday at noon Eastern on big noon Saturday by Fox sports. One, we got Gus Johnson on the call. 
Oh this my is- God. We have Gus Johnson on the call. Dude. Oh my God. I hate, I hate Gus Johnson. I did not know that. Really? I, I think that's probably one. Of, here's my problem with Gus Johnson. Sorry to interrupt, Pat. My problem with Gus Johnson is he makes the call about him and it's not about the game. It's like, I, I just, I can't, I can't, I can't stand him. I'm not a big you know guy. You know I'm going to get ripped clip? for that. But you know that I, Twitter clip, he's like, what up yeah. though? Uh-huh. What up though? Yeah. I, yeah. He's just, he's trying too hard to be cool. And it just kind of drives me nuts. As, as a California guy who's just, you know, right now born cool and just living cool. Gus Johnson, you're trying too hard, man. Calm down, settle down. Oh. So I'm pretty sure it's Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt, and Jenny Taft. I believe uh-huh. they're the folks who cover Big Noon Saturday. Okay. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll double check this after we record just to make sure. But um, I wish we could have got the guys that we had for the UNC overtime game. They were great. They were one uh, of the best crew we ever had to announce a tech game ever. Legends. Legend. Legend. They are yeah. awesome. They are awesome. Um, I like Gus Johnson for basketball. I do not like Gus Johnson Agreed. for football. I agree. Um, I think Bill might have came on a little harsh there. I did. I did. I came on just, a little. Just I, a tad. I came, on, I came on a little harsh. Um, maybe I'll come around because usually when I see him, he's announcing like you know Nebraska, Illinois, or or some completely uninteresting game. Um, at last note, stop playing your big games at noon. That's ridiculously stupid. I hate that. I don't know why they do that. It's dumb. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. I don't get it. Don't get it. So big time game. Milan Pusker Stadium, capacity, 60,000. A lot of hype surrounding this place. Everyone's talking about the atmosphere, the hostile environment. You know, you go to Morgantown, batteries, rocks, bags of urine, beer cans, beer bottles, burning couches. I mean, if that does not get you excited for this game, I don't know what's going to get you. I don't know. Bags of urine don't get me really excited. (laughs) I mean, Um, have fun. <laughs> Pat will be there. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, apparently, West Virginia is wearing the gold rush. It's the gold rush theme. I don't know if that means they're wearing all yellow or they will have gold incorporated somehow in some way, shape, or form in their uniforms. But we need to go into, uni- uh, into Morgantown and take care of business. Hokie fans, come on out. You know, it's a three-hour-plus drive from D.C., if you got nothing going on on Saturday, make the day trip. Let's be a fan base and uh, let's see some orange and maroon in the stands. Let Opponent- me, uh, I, I just want to say this as an add on to this segment. Another thing to set the table, and this is not me getting ahead of ourselves, this is speaking facts. This game is either the I told you so game or the oh snap, we're a top 10 team in the country now game. Because if you win this game, you're looking at going into playing Pittsburgh possibly at a top at a top eight seed uh you lose this game i'm going to have hundreds of thousands of mentions and uh hundreds of thousands of you're an idiot uh gifts so i am i am uh eagerly awaiting saturday um so we we shall see which way it goes um but we'll jump into opponent optics here um pat great job that was a lot of pat did his homework clearly on these last two uh these last two. Um, so opponent optics, West Virginia returns eight starters on their offense and they return six starters on their defense. Um, some of the players that they lost, uh, they lost their consensus. All American nose tackle last year, Darius stills. He's in the NFL. Their leading tackler from last year, Tony fields also in the NFL. 
And then they lost defensive lineman Jeffrey Pooler to Northwestern and third-team All-American Spear. Spear must be a position that West Virginia runs. They're just inventing stuff over there. Uh, their Spear position player, Tyke Smith, transferred to Georgia. Um so they lost a lot of talent. If you go ahead and you look at West Virginia's team last year, they had a uh, put it. You could put it. They had an elite defense last year. Their defense was the best defense in the Big Twelve. Yep, um, fantastic. A fantastic defense. It was a very kind of inverse year for West Virginia being in the Big Twelve. So speaking about the West Virginia defense, Mike, talk to me a little bit about what you see from the Mountaineers' defense. Yeah, I mean. You know, you mentioned all the guys they lost. I mean, certainly not as good as they were a year ago, at least not through a couple of games. I mean, anytime you drop an opener to Maryland and the defense looks a little bit uninspiring and Maryland might be a four-win team in the Big Ten, that's your defense probably is not quite as good as it was a year ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, they were the best defense in the Big 12 last year, multiple NFL players. Um, you know, they lost a few transfers to, you know, significant power five schools, at least on the defense side of the ball. Um, Dre Sean Miller going to Auburn. You mentioned Pooler going to Northwestern and Tyke Smith going to Georgia. Like, I mean, those are three good defenses that they transferred to. Right. So there was certainly talent on that side of the ball. Um, you do return six starters if you're West Virginia and, and that certainly helps. Um, Josh Chandler Semedo, And I hope I'm saying that name, right. He's a very talented linebacker. Uh, for West Virginia, Sean Mahoney is still a very good safety in the back end. Um, and they have a few that they throw out there. They got, you know, they generally line up with, you know, five or six defensive backs on the field at one time. Scotty Young's got a, gotten a decent amount of playing time. Alonzo die as well at safety. Uh, so, I mean, this is still a very talented, fast defensive unit. Are they as good as they were a year ago, though? No. And there are certainly going to be areas for Virginia Tech's offense to exploit is just a matter of whether or not Tech's offense can do that consistently enough over four quarters. But anybody who's telling you that West Virginia has got an elite defense because they played well last year needs to just kind of realize that this defense did lose a lot of talent. Yes, they're still very good. Yes, they're still very fast, but certainly not the same unit, you know, that Tech could have faced a year ago. Let's transition over to the offense. Um, Pat, talk to me about the West Virginia offense. So I plugged into the Maryland game. That was week one. Um, it was a very interesting game. Maryland won the game. I believe it was 30 to 24. And I think 31 of the game's points, most of the game's points were scored in the first half. Um, but just watching the game, watching the condensed game, um, there was 325 total yards from the offense and only 48 of those yards came on the ground. Um, there were six to 14 on third down and they only scored three points in the second half of a 30 to 24 loss. Um, so they were, you know, this West Virginia offense was looking very fast pace firepower, you know, in the first half scoring three touchdowns. And then they disappeared in the second half, got a late field goal, kind of like Virginia tech's offense where we've, We've seen consistency, you know, in half the game uh, in week one and half the game in week two, but not necessarily the entire entirety of the game. Um, they also turned the ball over four times in that Maryland game. A player to keep your eye on uh, this week is Letty Brown. Letty Brown ran for 1,110 yards last year uh, as a starting running back at West Virginia. 
He found the end zone three times against Maryland, uh, had 17 carries, 73 yards, and then four receptions for 43 yards. So he's a super talented guy, um, you know, whether it's running the ball up the middle or catching the ball out of the backfield. They also have a ton of pass catchers on this team. Um, a guy like Sean Ryan's very talented. Winston Wright is another guy to watch out. Um, a lot of size uh, out wide. And after just two games, they have eight receivers who have registered at least two receptions. Um, their quarterback, his name is, I think it's Ryan Dagey. Dagey is Dogecoin. Uh, Ryan Doge. That guy needs the NIL with uh, with Dogecoin. <laughs> you sure? Oh, no, no. It's, is it Jay Dagey? Jason Dagey? What's his know. first name? Doge. Jarrett. 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 Doge. Jarrett Doge. Jared. Okay. Jared, uh, four touchdowns, two picks, 536 yards on the season. Um, threw 40 times against Maryland, 24 completed 24, uh, of those passes, 277, one touchdown, two picks takes a lot of hits behind the, uh, the line of scrimmage, but did have a pretty solid year last year. Um, threw for over 2,500 yards, 14 picks, or excuse me, 14, 14 touchdowns, touchdowns. <laughs> four picks last year. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pause with the numbers there. They're, they do have threats on their offense. Like they have a solid quarterback and they have solid receivers and they have a very good running back, but they have not been able to run the ball yet at all this year. Um, uh, their line is actually not as good as one would think. I, I got to tell you, just, this just popped in my head. I'm just going to go off off topic for a second. There are some names on West Virginia's roster that are a awesome. And I know that Gus Johnson can't wait to say it. Like you can already hear Gus Johnson saying, Winston, right. I can already hear it in the back of my head, but anyway, moving right along with the offense. Um, I think if you look at the Maryland game and you just look at the score, the score was a little bit of a, um, of miss a little bit misleading. Uh, it was a very close game for the majority of the game. A lot of weird plays turnovers. I believe West Virginia lost the turnover battle by four or three um, was back and forth. And then towards the end of the game, Maryland pulled away there. Um, what was pretty concerning uh, was, you know, Maryland looked like a much more disciplined football team. Uh, they looked like a better coach football team. Um, but speaking about West Virginia's offense specifically, uh, Pat, you mentioned it. Bryce Ford Wheaton, he's six foot three, 220 pounds. Sean Ryan, he's six foot three, 198. Um, so they definitely have some size. Some other notes um, about West Virginia, or I suppose one note um, Doug Nestor uh, was on the offensive line last year uh, for Vance Vice and Company. He played 40 snaps last week at right guard. Uh, West Virginia beat Long Island Christian University. Uh, they won by 63 points. Um, I didn't even know Long Island University Christian University had a football team. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's where Doug Nestor is now. So keep an eye out. Um, and then, Pat, special teams, that is our last preview for uh, – West Virginia's side of things. So what do you do you see from the special teams unit? Special teams is very exciting and very important for Virginia tech last week and, and really helped us, uh, you know, be in the driver's seat for the second half. But Mike, um, I was looking at special teams of West Virginia, Winston, Wright, Mentioned by Billy Ray earlier and Gus Johnson. He is their kick returner. He is their punt returner. He took a 98-yard return back against Maryland, was actually shoved out at like the one or two-yard line, uh, but took it from the end zone. But 
also muffed a punt uh, later uh, in the first half against Maryland. So, you know, a little bit of a rose and a thorn there for Winston Wright. Uh, their punter from this game in the Maryland game, uh, Tyler Sumpter, five punts for 39 yards apiece. And Mike, I'm going to kick this one over to you. Tell me about their kicker. Uh, Casey <laughs> Legg, the best kicker name in college football. 10 for 10 on extra points, two for two on field goals this year. He has not missed a single kick Listen, yet here guys, in 2021. Listen, we need to make sure that, you know, We've seen it twice now. We have a sack when the opposition is driving. They're on like the 22-yard line. We've had a sack that pushes them out of field goal range. We cannot let Casey Legg get the opportunity to kick against Virginia Tech because that guy just sounds automatic. Um, so let's make sure that we can uh, we can hold them behind field goal range. Yes. Really? Uh, one oh, last quick thing. Yeah, I'm just going to jump in. One last quick thing on Winston Wright real quick. Justin Fuente was asked about this in the, in the press conference on Monday. Like, what do you do to account for their special teams, kick return, punt return units? And Justin Fuente mentioned that Winston Wright, he makes you prepare a little bit more on special teams than you ordinarily would. It's always a point of emphasis, but he said it's, that it's an extra area that they are going to focus on with a bit more detail this week leading up to the game. So that's how good Winston Wright is. And I'm just That's a say- big answer. That is a big answer. He's a threat. He's a talented ball player. And that, uh, I know we did hokey history, but listen, this rivalry has seen its fair share of Beamer ball. Go back to 2004, Tech blocked a field goal. Vinny Fuller took it to the house. You go back to 2000, Andre Davis on that punt return to the house. Wayne Ward had one of the most deafening and incredible blocks in Virginia Tech and Lane Stadium history uh, that sprung Andre free for the touchdown. So do not sleep on special teams in this contest. Billy Ray, talk to us about the hub and our keys to the game. You were talking about do not sleep. Well, you don't need to sleep one eye open when you are living at the hub in black. Wow, that was so good. (laughs) Whoa, that was really good. I'm proud of that read-off. You won't need to sleep with one eye open if you check out the Hub on campus. They are now officially leasing out for fall of 2022. An absolutely incredible living experience. You can ask anybody that is there. Our good friend Dan Pan is living in the Hub right now. It has been an unbelievable experience. Hot tubs, jacuzzi, study lounges, incredible weight room. Uh, you got this little like common area deal. It's an entire community. Check it out. Head on over to huboncampus.com slash Blacksburg and secure your spot in paradise right now for the fall of 2022. They give you the keys to your apartment. We're going to give you the keys to the game. And we're going to start out on the offensive side of the ball. So I'll go first and I'll pass it to my buddy Mike. Um, I think, look, Mr. Positivity, I think this is our chance to burst onto the scene and put up some freaking points. There's, this is not going to be one of those situations where we're trying to keep the wall away from Mr. Dogecoin over on the other sideline. Um, West Virginia gave up almost 500 yards to Maryland in week one. Again, you're not going to learn much about West Virginia versus Long Island Christian University. Um, but they gave up 500 yards to Maryland. Maryland's a solid team. They're not world beaters. Um, I think that you can attack this defense. They're prone to large plays. Uh, again, versus Maryland, they gave up two 60-plus yard touchdowns 
Um, so I'm looking for us to sling it around. I'm looking for us to protect the football um, and uh, just get after it. Hoping we're opening it up. There's a lot for West Virginia to prepare for in terms of getting ready for the wild turkey, getting ready for Braxton, getting ready for our run game. Um, but I would really like to see our pass game step up here. Uh, Mike, talk to me about the keys to the game. I am dying to see our receivers get open on a more regular basis, right? This is a lot of criticism as much as you can give to a team that's 2-0. and A lot of criticism has been thrown Braxton Burmeister's way, right? Holding on to the ball too long, being indecisive, right? Not taking shots down the field. We've heard it all through two weeks. The one thing I will say about Braxton Burmeister is that if you go back and actually watch these plays develop, right? You go back and take a look at the film, the receivers need to do a bit better job of getting open. So what does that mean? That means that either A, they need to just play, flat out play better, right? They just need to get off the line of scrimmage and get open, right? Or B, Brad Cornelson needs to do a bit better job of scheming a lot of his receivers open. At this point, he knows, especially with the starting receivers, with Caleb Smith and with Tavion Robinson and Trey Turner. I mean, Brad Cornelson is well aware of their strengths as well as their weaknesses, right? And if you look at a lot of the successful throws deep down the field this year so far, a lot of those plays have come to a receiver that's gotten free separation out of the slot, right? So he's able to get a free release and away they go. And Tech's got playmakers where, you know, if they have a little bit of breathing room, they can operate. They're good enough to, to get open in space. The issue is when Tech gets locked up at the line of scrimmage with their wide receivers, right? So Tavion Robinson, Trey Turner. Um, now I guess it'll be Deulis or Nick Gallo, probably more than likely on passing downs. Caleb Smith, those guys need to do a bit better job getting open um, for Braxton Burmeister. And Burmeister needs to be decisive when he sees a guy open, deliver them the football on time. That's a that's not only a key to this game, that's a key to the unlocking the next level of the offense for the rest of the season. Overall, I've liked what I've seen out of the running game. I, I think this is a big opportunity for Tech this weekend to run the football. Um, this again, not the same West Virginia defense that we saw a year ago um, when they were one of the best defenses in the Big 12. I think there are going to be opportunities both in the running game and the passing game. I think Virginia Tech overall has done a pretty decent job at running the football this year, which is something I didn't necessarily see coming after losing Khalil Herbert, but the running backs have been good. And I think this is another opportunity for you know the offense to really try to establish the run. But I think all eyes are on the passing game to see if they can kind of unlock the next level there as well. I'm going to speak to you guys as if I am speaking to the position groups myself. If I'm Justin Hamilton or Ryan Smith, I can't freaking wait to go on the road versus a team that's going to throw the ball a ton. Over two games, West Virginia has thrown the ball 72 times, and it's a Big 12 team. And I'm just going to let you guys know, this is not your typical Big 12 football team. We're going to talk about this a little bit more uh, when we get to Steve Bryce's question for the lunch bail, if I'm Bill Tierlink, I'm saying, hold on a second. We're going to get to pin our ears back and rush the quarterback for four quarters. Last against Maryland, their offensive line graded a 57.5 pass blocking grade versus Maryland. They gave up three sacks and five TFLs. They gave up two sacks to Long Island Christian University where I don't even, I don't know how you give up two sacks to Long Island Christian University. But anyway, guys like Amari Barno, guys like Jordan Williams, guys like Taiwan Garbutt, they're going to have opportunities to get after it, especially, especially with how the linebacking core has been playing. We're going to take some risks. We're going to put some pressure on the quarterback. And then lastly, the front seven. 
This team is a soft football team up front, at least from what they have shown us through two games. They're 90. They're the 99th ranked rushing team in America at 123 yards per game. They're getting around 3.24 yards per carry. I'm fired up about if I'm this defense. You're getting national attempt attention if I if you're on this defense. It's the most excited people have been about a, a defense at Virginia Tech since 2017. Guys are flying around. They're playing emotional. They're playing for each other. Um, and I they have a little bit of swagger to them, man. They don't like giving up points. Anytime the ball gets inside the 40, they're finding ways to push them out of field goal range. So I'm looking at this, and this is we're gonna go out. We're gonna go do what we've been doing this last two weeks, and. Um, Put it on display on national TV at noon. Shut down Letty Brown. Shut down the playmakers. And uh, let's see more of that bend, don't break defense that we've seen the last few weeks here from the Hokies. All right, we're going to move along here to what would make me smile in this game by the Chesapeake Center uh, for complete dentistry. I'll kick things off here. I will smile. And all of Hokie Nation will smile if we are able to come out like we did against Carolina, if we are able to score early and score often, but also put together four quarters of offense. We saw it in the first two quarters of Carolina. We saw it in the second half last week. Um, And we were a lot better on third down last week. We were a lot better in the third quarter last week. If we can see four quarters of offensive production from this team, from this staff, from these players, then I will be smiling, you know, um, offensively show us something new, open up the playbook, challenge, uh, challenge our guys, you know, vertical threats, get some receiver separation that, uh, that Mike was saying, you know, maybe some new wrinkles here and there is Jaden pay going to come out. Um, is he going to be hundred percent healthy? Show us something on offense to make us believe, right? Because at this point, I don't think anyone really believes in the offense. Um, they think they can score points, but can they score points in bunches? Can they consistently score points to a point where they are a reliable offense? Bill? I just want to win this game. I think I think this is a – I don't want to say it's a year-defining game because every game obviously is a year-defining game, but this is – you're starting to get some national attention. You're getting a lot of eyeballs on you. People are starting to believe. The guys in that locker room believe. Um, and regardless of what West Virginia's record is, like you said, Pat, this is a rivalry game. It's in Morgantown. It's going to be a crazy environment. Um, and there are going to be a lot of people watching the Hokies to see, are they, is this going to be what the, is this the typical Hokies deal where they come in and they lose a question mark type of game? It's going to be a tough environment. Uh, I would smile if we can just find a way to win this football game. I think we're the better football team, um, and uh, we'll have to see how it all pans out. Mike, what would make you smile? Continue to not commit penalties, continue to take care of the football, right? And it's been one thing to say, okay, do that against Carolina. Do that against Middle Tennessee State, right? Those two games are are not only – not only have you gotten a really tough game out of the way in the opener, right? But you've gotten two of your home games out of the way already too. You cannot turn the football over on the road. You cannot be committing a bunch of penalties in any game, but especially on the road. Um, This team needs to, especially offensively because of the noise and the environment they're going to be playing in, they are going to really need to trust their assignments in this football game, right? They, They can't be, 
especially a tight end, right? Bayless and, and Gallo, like they need to know their assignment. They're going to both get an uptick in playing time. We've seen a lot of those two guys already, even with James Mitchell healthy. We're going to see even more of them now. Like, just know your assignment. Right side of the offensive line, know your assignment. I'm not as concerned about the defense because I think the defense has been very good through two games, but continue to do what you're doing. Um, but yeah, if the offense can limit the penalties, limit the turnovers, it sounds cliche, but Tech's been doing a really good job of that this year. Continue that on the road. Score predictions. Pat. Take us away with score predictions, then we'll hop into the letters from lunch bill. So Virginia Tech is coming in. We opened up as a three-point underdog at West Virginia. Uh, right now, it's VT plus three, and then Moneyline plus 130. I think that was Odd Shark. I wasn't sure where I pulled it from earlier. Over-under is 50 points. I saw 50 and a half points somewhere. Um, I am predicting a extremely tight win by the Hokies on Saturday. 24 to 23, uh, low scoring affair. Virginia Tech gets the win in Morgantown by the skin of our teeth. It will be tight throughout the entire game. I'm gonna, I, I'd love to hear your all's thoughts on this. Um, I feel like more people telling me that I should be worried about this game is swaying people's opinions than actually looking at the two rosters. This is a senior laden football team in Virginia tech. It's one of the best defenses in the country in Virginia tech. We run the ball. Well, we don't turn the ball over. We don't have penalties. Um, and we're playing a West Virginia team who for the most part is replacing basically everybody that's worth a hoot on their defense. Um, their quarterback play has been inconsistent. They did not score a ton of points last year. Um, the only reason is because that people I think are thinking that this is going to be close or a loss is because we're going to big, bad, scary, spooky Morgantown at noon. Um, I think we're going to win this game. My score prediction is 31 17. Um, I, I, I like the Hokies. I think we find a way to get it done. I think this is a different football team and um, good football teams with good leadership that protect the football. Like you said, Mike, find a way to win this football game. And I think we do that. And I think we do it. Quite handedly, actually. I got Virginia Tech 23, West Virginia 20. I think it's tight, but I think if Virginia Tech starts fast, similar to how they did against North Carolina, if they're able to keep the intensity up for all four quarters, Pat, like you mentioned, I think Virginia Tech has a chance to win this game by multiple scores. Like you mentioned, Bill, like this is a team in Virginia Tech that looking at these two rosters, right? And going into the year, we knew this game would be tough, but it wasn't because West Virginia is like good, right? It's because you're going to Morgantown and it's a tough place to play. It's a tough environment, but I wasn't looking at this game thinking the same way I was thinking about Virginia tech going into North Carolina where I was like, okay, like this is a really talented roster. They got a Heisman trophy type player quarterback. Like there's a lot of talent all over the place. I would have thought that about West Virginia's team last year. I don't see it with this year's West Virginia team. Same way I didn't really see it with North Carolina's team when they came in um, compared to last year with all the talent that they lost. So I think West Virginia is coached well by Neil Brown. They certainly still have some skill position talent at, at receiver and running back. Letty Brown's a good player. And they still have some speed and some talent on defense. But I think Virginia Tech is equipped, especially on the defensive side of the ball, to handle West Virginia's offensive speed. And I think Virginia Tech wins a close football game here on the road. Can we talk about something really quickly? So I think all of our score predictions point to something. 
I feel like if Tech scores 28 points, we're going to win this football game. There's no way I don't I don't foresee our defense giving up more than 24 points. Yeah. I mean, the next time they give up that much would be the first time this year. So yeah, so uh, you know, I think if it, I think I think if the offense scores anywhere between 14 and 24, yeah, I can see this being a close football game. But if the offense puts up 30 points, I think this is a a, a pretty easy win. It would take um, a pretty poor defensive performance, in my opinion. This is not the most talented offense Virginia Tech has faced so far. It's not the most talented offense they'll face the rest of the season. Like this is, as far as the rest of the schedule goes. Is it in the top half of the offenses Virginia Tech will play? Yes. Is it an elite offense? No. So, I, given Virginia, given what we've seen at Virginia Tech's defense, I think it's reasonable to expect the Tech will play well on that side of the ball again. And again, if they if they're able to hold West Virginia, especially like under twenty four points, I think Tech's got a great chance here. We're moving right along to the last segment here. Uh, the letters from the lunch pail brought to you by our friends over at Sharkies. Head on over. Got a noon kickoff. Go get you a pitcher, a Miller Lite, a Long Island iced tea with some Sprite, some wings, maybe a salad. Pat, you saw me order the salad. I told you, dude, the salad's here. Good. I don't know if you had one before. I had a brought out a Brought out a monstrous salad, um, and I downed it. So head on down to Sharkies for game time. You know where it's at. We got our over-unders from Grant Watson. Pat, we love the over-unders from Grant Watson. Go ahead and share the results from last week. And what do we have this week? Results from last week from Grant, Middle Tennessee. Non-offensive touchdowns, 0.5. Under. Came really close, though. Came really close on uh, Tavion (laughs) and Keyshawn King and Jermaine Waller. Raheem Blackshear receptions, 4.5. Under. Raheem Blackshear had one reception. Combined rushing yards. 265 under i think we had like 230 or 225 now we have some more over unders from grant watson connor blumrick rushing touchdowns 0.5 over or under this is tough for me because i think it would be such i think it would be hilarious if we just never ran it uh, but I, like, I think it would be hilarious if we ran it last week and just made them practice it all week and didn't run it at all. But I do think, given a red zone situation, we're going to do that again. I don't want to see Braxton Burmeister in battering ram situations. Um, so I can certainly see us running that in the goal line. So I'm actually going to go over with th- with a footnote of I can see us not running this at all on Saturday, uh, but I'll go over. It's kind of cheating. I am also going to take, <laughs> I'm also going to take the over here because he almost had two last week and with James Mitchell not being in the lineup for a jet sweep in the red zone Ooh. that could be a new Ooh. opportunity well tight end action yeah okay Connor. okay you know, he, right. he could be lining up out wide um as a tight end like a little Taysom Hill action I don't really Trey, know I don't want to Trey Turner that. Trey Turner sat, uh, scored his first touchdown last year off the jet sweep so, is I mean, maybe we get Trey Turner doing it a little bit. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to go over here because I think they're just going to keep using Blumrick down by the red zone. So, I'm going over. All right. If Bl- All right. So, if we're doing, like, a paper napkin math here, if Blumrick's scoring a touchdown, Braxton Burmeister is at least going to account for two touchdowns. So, there's 21 points right there. We're going to beat West – guys, I'm gonna get, I might get shredded. I think we're going to beat West Virginia. I really do. I, I, this is going to be screen recorded and I'm going to get shredded if we don't, but I, I really, I really feel confident. My confident meter is, 
is, just, is very high. For you're, digging your own, uh, you're digging That's your fine. own grave over here. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, what's sacks. next? Sacks. Three and a half sacks. Over or under? We'll start with Over. Oh, Bill's okay. grabbing his damn shovel, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go under three and a half sacks. Three and a half sacks is a lot. Dude, they under. gave up three to Maryland, and who the hell yeah. is Maryland? Maryland doesn't gonna, have an Amari Barno. I'm gonna go under. Gonna go okay, under. well, I'm gonna go over, Mike. I'm all I'm I'm just jumping the shark now. I'm over. We're going over. We're getting four or five sacks on Saturday. I mean, Taiwan Garbutt is taking Mike McDaniel's uh, negative Nancyness, and he's saying <laughs> I'm gonna get two. He's going to say, I'm going to get two. Um, I'm going to take the over here as well. No Last push? Over. No push? No you can't, push. You can't push total sacks. That's yeah, just not pushing total sacks. I got too excited. <laughs> you can't be half sacked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Last one from Grant. And then we got uh, a few more questions here. Uh, Raheem Blackshear, rushing yards, 70. Over or under? Under. We spread the wealth too much. Under. I agree. I'm going with under as well. I think I think Jalen Holston gets a majority of the carries, and we've talked about it at nauseum. Uh, Blumrick, maybe he'll be scampering around a little bit. By the way, shout out to him. Fantastic Instagram post. Uh, the I stuck it in with being lifted up by Silas Zanzi. I mean, that was a top ten picture on a hokey Instagram. Whoever's the running night. the uh, whoever's running the Hokies FB Twitter account had a great uh, little dirty dancing side by side with those two images. I must have missed that. I got to see it. Pat, what do you got? I have the under as well. Jalen Holston, uh, you know, how's Holston? Your guy. Holston. Holston might find the end zone too. We got a lot of talented folks on our offense. All right. This question comes from Steve Bryce. Is slowing this game down to a snail's pace our only hope? Or (sighs) can we, Billy Ray is getting a little, or can we, play with any kind of up tempo? Also, will West Virginia fans burn more couches or? Burn more catches in a victory or a defeat. Is te- is Tech playing Alabama this Saturday or uh, what? It, this is like this is this is why I'm getting so upset. Is we're like we're doing this thing where we talk ourselves into West Virginia being like this super awesome football team that we like that we're gonna have to go play and everybody. Oh, does Vegas know? Vegas knows. Vegas has to know. Uh, it's a coin flip game going to Morgantown. Um, well, Steve. Uh, I think we're giving a little bit too much credit for West Virginia simply because they're in the Big 12. I actually did this following the Middle Tennessee game. In 2020, West Virginia averaged 26.5 points per game, which was eighth in the Big 12. They were also eighth and ranked eighth ranked in run attack in the conference. Um, so last year, they weren't your typical Big 12, Dana Hogerson, let's hang 50, let's hang 60 and give up 50 or 60. Um, so I don't think this is going to be one of those crawl snail type of deals. I think we can run the football effectively. I think we can go pace. I don't really see why you would do that. I just, here's what, what we have to understand, right? You play North Carolina. The goal against North Carolina is you're playing one of the best quarterbacks in the country. You want to keep the ball out of his hands. Then you play against middle Tennessee. You want to try some new things, get some young guys, some reps, and you also want to keep the clock running. So we really haven't been in a position where we're like, let's go out there and let's score points. Uh, we've seen some times where stuff hasn't gone right with sailed screens against North Carolina towards the end of the game, not being able to really jump out in front of middle Tennessee in the first and second quarter. But 
Um, I think this is one of the first times that we're going to see a little bit more of a creative and open playbook from the offense. Um, and we've said it all offseason. I think there are talented skill position players on our team that can go out there and make plays. Um, so I'm just, I'm excited to see it. Yeah. West Virginia is definitely like a competent team. They're a, they're definitely a quality opponent. Uh, but I mean, when tech played West Virginia back in 2017 at FedEx field, that was a much better offense than the one that tech's facing this Saturday. Right. And that's, I guess, you know, it's four years ago. It's a different coach, all that, but this is a situation here for Virginia tech where West Virginia has some pretty good team speed at the skill positions, but it's not a scenario here where I go into this game thinking that West Virginia's offense is anywhere close to as good as North Carolina's offense is or, or was when tech faced them two weeks ago and North Carolina was replacing a lot of talent. And even so, I think North Carolina's skill position talent is better than West Virginia's is. This is not a game where Virginia Tech needs to sit on the ball for, for four quarters um, because they're worried about West Virginia scoring. Virginia Tech's defense, with the way they're playing right now, they don't need to be worried about anybody scoring. Um, so we got to keep that in mind. I mean, we, we, we can slow down the game as, as much as we want to on offense, but defensively right now, I mean, <laughs> Tech's shutting opponents down through two weeks, right? And it's a small sample size, but the defense has been fantastic. You, don't, you can do whatever you want on offense. You can screw around for four quarters if you want. It makes it a little bit harder you know, for us to sit there and, and be confident as fans and alums. But I mean, this is a defense right now is playing so well that I don't think the offense needs to necessarily like sit on the ball because they're worried about West Virginia scoring on this defense. Yeah. And you said it, Mike, I just want to, I want to re emphasize something that maybe I didn't do a good job of before. This is not as much of me saying that West Virginia is not a competent or good football team. I'm just really bought into the seniority and what we have going on with us. Um, and that's why I feel so confident about this game. Um, so look, I'm fired up. It's a tremendous test for this football team. Um, we got this game and then, uh, you know, we basically got it all, uh, go rolling in a conference play and, and everything else. So, um, this is, this could be a real tone setting game or, or a setback, but it's, it's great to see that this rivalry is back. We're playing West Virginia in Morgantown. Uh, we got them coming to Blacksburg next year. Um, and, uh, Excited for it. Last question comes from Kyle Cooper. Will BB keep the ball on one of the many runs we do that look like options? Halfway through the game, it looks like Braxton has acres of space if he keeps it because he knows or the because the ends know he's handing it off. Um, I, I mean, I, I think we've made it pretty obvious that we're not afraid to run the ball with Braxton Burmeister. Um, and also Braxton... <laughs> Uh, Coach Fuente alluded to this in his presser. Uh, Braxton is almost in a position where since the wide receivers are not getting open, he's so fast and so elusive and so quick that he's like, screw it. I can get, I can get 10 or 15 yards myself. Um, so I, I don't really know how to answer this question. Cause I don't know what specific play we're talking about, but I don't think tech is afraid to run the ball with Braxton Burmeister. I'm afraid I, when we run it with Braxton Burmeister. I, <laughs> I am too. I, uh, I don't think the coaching staff is, but I, I am. So we're going to wrap things up here, uh, with our Sharkies shout outs. I'm going to kick it off because I started a thread on Twitter that got a lot of attention earlier this week. I said, 
From what it sounds like, my trip to Morgantown will be a one and done. Who can fill me in on the expectations for Morgantown and Milan Pusker? And I got probably 40 replies. I'm going to read some of them. I'm going to breeze through them. A lot of eyebrow raising things, a lot of humorous things, but uh, here we go. So bear with me for the next uh, couple minutes here. Not a bad week to make sure you remember how to box. First step is to bring your own batteries. Number two, I'd wear a neutral color. Wear a helmet. Buy some supplemental insurance. Heard more than a few stories of people getting jumped in Motown. Some nice folks up there, but it can get grimy. This is a quote. You can't take your helmet off on the sideline in that place from Eddie Royal. Avoid the porta potties. That the West Virginia fans like to tip them over when you go in. That would be a day ruiner, 1,000%. Apparently they stopped doing that. That's what it was. A West Virginia uh, fan jumped in the replies and said, no, we stopped doing that. So they did it, but they don't do it anymore. Okay. We don't do that anymore. (laughs) Yeah, we got in trouble. I would wear a neutral jacket over your hokey stuff in and out of the stadium. And only if you're in the VT section, wear it. The FedEx game taught me it is far from over from their fans. We We have our bad seeds. Dip cups, bags of urine, airplane bottles were tossed, leaving FedEx. Take heed. Uh, Here's another one. I'm really hopeful the time off and the changes they say they have implemented will help calm things down. Went there in 03. We'll never go back. Seriously, one of the worst nights of my life. Wow. Um, Been offered free tickets to go, and I won't. Not worth the bad time. Get insurance on your rental car. By no means drive your own car. Okay, I'm going to have to uber or something (laughs) (laughs) they like to set things on fire craziest pastime i have ever witnessed morgantown was one of the most violent places i visited as a fan consistent threats of violence around the stadium and in the bar after the game we left early rocks and batteries thrown at fans and at the team have not i mean if there are threats of violence outside the stadium i don't know why you would go to the bar i don't know who wrote that but i mean that's like life 101 if you're getting you know threatened outside the stadium maybe yeah plan a doesn't work and it's real bad you kind of skip plan B. maybe head back to uh to your motel six um yeah that's just my 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 question is does the town of morgantown have a police force that is a that is a serious question. I hope they do. Sounds like they don't, or it sounds like there's not enough of them. Um, Popo. I think that's what they call them. Full beer bottles thrown at your head while walking back to the car. Fun times. <laughs> Haven't been in a while. I always had a blast. If you are looking for a good time, you will find it. If you are looking for trouble, you will find that as well. What a sounds rational like begin- Sounds like the beginning of like a movie about some town. Uh, here's a good one. Ain't no thing. Good college environment. Act civilized and you'll have a great time. Act like a act like a clown, you'll get treated like one, and rightly so. I'd expect the same in Blacksburg or any good home field environment. Enjoy. Always a great rivalry. Go Hokies. And then we will finish it up with my good friend Grant Briars, a West Virginia native Hokie grad. One, Morgantown is a lawless kingdom. It's a ton of fun, but underestimate it at your peril. Number two, lots of great fans, but the bad ones are extreme. Move on quick and don't don't judge West Virginia as a whole. Three, country roads is bliss, but I don't want to hear it that day. Hashtag Hokies. Uh, since this isn't really on the Sharky shout out section of things, a couple of things. <laughs> country roads is a great song. I love that song. If it's playing on the TV, I'm going to sing along to it. Number two, West Virginia. 
Very visually appealing state. You guys have some great trees, some beautiful grass. Um, that's that. I visited Morgantown one time. It was all right. Um, Virginia Tech wasn't playing. They're pretty wild. Uh, they have their frat houses up on a hill, and you know, people were like, I mean, just completely. I, like I can't believe they didn't get seriously injured rolling down or on this hill. People were on top of buses. I mean, it is, it's pretty crazy over there. Uh, I'm glad we're playing this game at noon. Um, but you know, we'll see. Uh, I'm excited, but Pat. I don't know if I would be going to this game after reading all of these, uh, all of these submissions. But um, be careful, I got, please. Yeah, I, I I have two thoughts. One, I'm going to be very 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 low key and toned down at this at this contest here i'm gonna drive home to charlotte after the game win or lose and uh gonna prepare myself for the panthers game the next day um i'm not getting in anything crazy <laughs> not getting in anything crazy after the game uh or before the game pat will be low key this weekend number two country roads just make sure when, when you get to the chorus, when they say West Virginia, if you're at a wedding, you're at a hokey wedding, or you're anywhere, you know, out at a bar with your friends, make sure you sing Southwest Virginia. Uh, I think that's so whack. I just, I think, just, that's whack? I think it's whack. Call. It's not how John Denver wrote the song. I, like, I don't, I don't know. I, I, it is about Southwest Virginia, but to change the lyrics, I think that, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't like that. I'll always say West. I'll always say West Virginia. It is about West Southwest Virginia, but that's not what John wrote. And John's I dead. Don't care I don't about John. <laughs> All right, Billy. <laughs> All right, Billy. Shut up. <laughs> All right. And uh, last couple of shout outs here. I'm sure you guys have some too. And Castle, want to double shout out the Blacksburg, the Blacksburg Brewdo. We will be doing a giveaway on Twitter this week for the Blacksburg Brewdo. They have tons of local beers, tons of domestic beers at the brew, uh, the local. Blacksburg Brewdo put on by the um, uh, one of the one of the organizations at Blacksburg. So stay tuned for that. You can watch the West Virginia game at the Blacksburg Brewdo with some fellow Hokies. Uh, so go ahead and check that out. Um, shout out to Dan's dog, my buddy Dan. He's got a dog of the week. He wanted to plug it on Sons of Saturday. He loves Buffalo this weekend over Coastal Carolina money line. It's at home in Buffalo. He says, "Give me the Bulls plus four hundred money line." Get you some Dan's dog of the week. And then lastly, Wabisa Beatty got a job at Texas A&M. Shout out to him joining their staff with Buzz down there. Um, you know, I think we will see Buzz Williams poach some talent, um, you know, from folks that he had a direct relationship with. Obviously, he recruited Wabisa Beatty to Virginia Tech uh, years ago. He recruited Tyrese Radford to Tech. Uh, Josh Chambers is another guy on that um, on that staff down there at AM. He's a director of creative content for Aggies men's basketball. So congratulations to Wabisa. Um, you know, I'm, <laughs> I didn't see any any banter on the timeline of like, hey, you wanted to go join Buzz over Mike Young. No, we don't know. We don't know. Uh, we don't know the ins and outs of his decision making. And I'm excited for him uh, joining a great staff down there in College Station. Well said. Yeah, well said. I'm going to shout out uh, my friend Tyler Fitzgerald. He is having a little bit of a tough week. Uh, Back-to-back kidney stones. And also, he he went paintballing two weeks ago uh, and had a bump on his head and found out that they were two aneurysms on his skull. Um, So, (laughs) Tyler Fitzgerald had... 
uh, skull surgery this morning after getting his passing his kidney stones yesterday. Dear um, God. So Tyler also called me last night and gave me the idea to reach out to the Australian comedian who is set to come on the podcast. Um, so Tyler, A, hope you're okay. B, thanks for the suggestion. Um, so yeah, pretty, pretty crazy stuff going on with Tyler Fitzgerald. That escalated um, quickly. It, it did guys don't eat too much sodium. I, I promise you don't want kidney stones. Dear that was, God. uh, that was Tyler's, uh, that was Tyler's advice. Um, but Mike, I hope you have a, a, a much more bubbly and happy and positive and, uh, G rated, uh, shout out here. Yeah. I'm going to try to avoid the kidney stones and aneurysms on my skull. <laughs> 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 shout out shout out to you guys for a having me on this podcast again of course b giving me the keys to a national podcast big shout out to you guys make sure to go check that out at sons of sat on twitter and instagram go follow that i gotta plug that podcast on the show guys it's, can you it's tell us can you tell us the lot can you tell us the guests though you have had some illustrious guests so far yeah so uh the first guest was myself so the very first podcast i recorded was a recap of the yeah. two course um and then uh, actually today i recorded a podcast with uh usc trojans writer matt zemek of usa today writes for trojans wire uh, their usa today network site he helped me kind of dive through the clay helton firing and what's next for usc really informative about 40 45 minute interviews so highly encourage you all to check that out Got some more guests lined up this week. Just recorded a podcast earlier with David Waters of the Gators Breakdown podcast. It's a, if you're a Florida Gators fan, you're well aware of this podcast. It's one of the uh, one of these shows to listen to uh, in Florida Gators land ahead of their big game this weekend against Alabama. So, got that guest lined up. Got another one uh, coming for you guys later this week to preview the upcoming weekend of games. So you're going to have at minimum four podcasts this week. So you're doubling your podcast number already. From yes. Mikey, Mikey, they call him Mikey McPod. Mikey McPod. Mikey McPods yeah. <laughs> keeps the microphone in his back pocket. That's right. um, well, hell no yeah. Need it. <laughs> Guys, looking forward to it. Uh, Mike, thanks as always for jumping on. Excited for you in the national podcast. Patrick, please bring your helmet and please bring a neutral sweatshirt. Um, and we will uh, talk to you all soon. We got the locks of Saturday coming up in a couple days, and um, going to keep this thing rolling. Take care, everybody. Go hoax. It's time to wander, tripping in the sand. We smoke out windows, drink till we can't stand. But I saw you dance like you want to in my head. All she said is Oh, I know what you're thinking Please don't go to sleep and Trash my friend's place Wake up the next day and do it again All she said is And all she said is Enough to reach out to you